back to this It's time for the 5-Minute Major Podcast. What is the uh, significance of that name? Now here's your hosts, Matt Mastro-Giovanni and Dave Morris. That's what the people came to see. A 5-Minute Major Podcast. What took you so long to finally seal the deal, my man? Let's go. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of 5-Minute Major. Dave here, as always, with my broadcast partner in crime, Matt Mastriavani. Matt, how's it going this evening? It's going. Um, it's just kind of a, another week, so to speak. Uh, and then, you know, gearing up for the weekend and kind of seeing what comes of that, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just kind of been going with the flow, as they say. So... Um, we have some good Flyers hockey to talk about tonight, some not-so-good Flyers hockey to talk about tonight. Um, around the league, we have Jersey news for the NHL. I mean, we, we've got a good amount to talk about tonight, so, uh, you know, we'll we'll bounce around and we'll, we'll give everyone the lowdown, as we usually do here. Yeah, for sure, and just hopping right into it, Matt, and, you know, going to our Flyers, we can review here. Um, since we last recorded last Wednesday, the Flyers have played a chunk of hockey games as we record presently, they are in, in the midst of a game. Um, at least in, we're at the second intermission now between the Minnesota Wild, in which they're tied at three all apiece. So we'll see how that game ends, probably whilst we're, we are recording this evening. Um, but a couple games to talk about going back to last Friday, a 5-2 to two win over the Buffalo Sabres, in which Owen Tippett had a hat trick. A 5-4 to four overtime loss on Saturday afternoon in which a game that the Flyers kind of blew it (laughs) to Carolina. Um, And then just this past Tuesday evening, a 6-3 win over the Alex Lyon in net Florida Panthers. So, um, you know, I'll start things off here, Matt, with the game Friday night. Mm -hmm. I mentioned how on the podcast last week, you mentioned you you had been carrying the low ladies, I said, I promise I will watch (laughs) some hockey games for you finally. So last Friday evening, I got to introduce my new nephew, Joey, obviously. I introduced him to the Flyers for the first time, and they put on a show for him. So I appreciate that, Flyers. Thank you very much. Now you can lose every other game for the rest of the year, please. Um, No, a dominant 5-2 win over a Buffalo Sabres team that is really just reeling, and they're in full season collapse mode. I know they did just sign top goalie prospect Devin Levi to an ELC, but he hasn't made his debut for them yet. Um, but a team just it's, it's showing their lack of veteran leadership and their lack of experience, especially on their on their blue line, is really hurting them. And the Flyers took advantage of that and were the better hockey team, and they won five to two. So no complaints there. You know, it felt good. You know, you never knew if Tage Thompson was going to pop off and then Buffalo could win that game. But the Flyers overall, Carter Hart was stellar in net. Decent defense and some great goal scoring from the offense and three goals from Rowan Tippett. So really nothing to complain about Friday evening's game on uh, my end there, Matt. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the standout there is obviously Tippett's first NHL hat trick for the Flyers in that game. Um, I think, honestly, for me, he's been the standout star this season for the team. Uh, other than that, I mean, I guess you could you could say Konechny, but unfortunately, obviously, he's been out for the past, what, almost month Lawton. now with an injury. Lawton, um, too. Yeah, Lawton, um, I guess maybe like 
give him like the young star award, so to speak. Um, I, I don't think he's the best player on the team necessarily, but he's been a very good, he's been a very bright spot for the team this season where, I mean, he already kind of came in on a, on a handicap, so to speak, where it was metaphorically, well, yeah, I mean, big shoes to fill in a sense where he was obviously the, the return and the Drew trade and people were already like, oh, like this guy hasn't really been good, like ever since he got drafted. And I mean, it's kind of been the perfect fit where you have a coach like Tortorella and then you have a player who has been struggling in his early NHL career and you would get a change of scenery, so to speak, and coming to a new team. And you have that time to adjust. You have that time to kind of learn the systems, learn the coaching, just just learn everything pretty much. Immerse yourself in, in a new in a new organization, in a new location. Um, and I mean, he's he's been thriving this season, which is great to see. Finally, gets his first hat trick in the NHL on Friday night. Uh, I I was watching that game through Twitter, if that makes sense. Um, so because I was partaking in some St. Paddy's Day fun that night. But um, as the Flyers put it, it was Owen Tippett's St. Paddy's Hattie, um, which was cool. Um, and then obviously, again, the, the Flyers get a win, which is like at this point, it's like, yay, but also like Boo. not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because um, at this point, I mean, again, we're, we're kind of in full tank mode, so to speak, where – I, again, you don't want to actively root for them to lose, but if they do lose, it's like, hey, not the end of the world, so to speak. Um, but no, a good game for Friday night, um, but also kind of a a painful precursor to what was to happen the next night, uh, the next afternoon against the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I mean, the story of that game was really um, the Flyers failed to finish, so to speak, the Hurricanes tied the game with, I think it was 0.3 seconds left yeah, in the third period seconds. in regulation. Obviously, the goal got reviewed to see if it had crossed the line before the clock struck zero. Um, it did. And then, <laughs> excuse me, the Flyers. Alex Sandstrom doing his part, getting another yeah, L. Yeah. That's what he does. Um, and then Sebastian Ajo scores a minute into overtime. Completing the Actually, hat trick for him. 28 seconds into overtime. Um, to complete the hat trick. So that's a, I mean, that's a tough game to lose no matter who you are, obviously, but the hurricanes are beasts of the East, so to speak. And they, they showed why they're the, I saw on the NHL website, they're the, the cardiac canes. Um, so they, I mean, they're a good team and definitely a better team than the flyers, but I mean, for the flyers to stick with them. And that's, I think that's just kind of bad luck, so to speak, to have, a goal like that happened at such an inopportune time when a sliver of a second left in the game and they tie it. And then, I mean, Ajo just walked through Tony D'Angelo, I believe in overtime. Oh, yeah. Scored a, scored a beauty of a goal to win it. So that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow as they say. Yeah. I mean, some, a pretty big positive out of the weekend's game on Saturday against the Canes is they continue to play of young players. Um, being Noah Cates, mm-hmm. who is, according to some members of the of the analytic community, should be a should be considered for the um, Selkie Trophy this year. You know, we yeah. could have potentially another similar, dare I say, young up and coming version of Sean Couturier in Noah Cates. Um, 
Joel Farabee, as of late, has gotten his play back together, starting to put some pucks in the back of that again, which is great to see. But the big thing here is Tyson Forrester getting his first career goal Saturday afternoon, and not that. just an, an easy an easy goal. He scored a goal scorer's goal. Like he picked a spot that shooters know goalies have a hard time stopping on that blocker side. But so it's very hard to get the puck in that position. And he put that puck, he lasered it where he wanted to put it. And his shot yeah. is so good. Yeah. Um, and he's quickly, you know, Forster's, I think he's got almost five points now in the in the NHL. Grant only one goal and four assists, I believe, since being called up. But he's showing that, you know, if he can really put on some muscle in this offseason, he could be easily a member of this top six come next season. So I'm really, yeah. I'm really... Really happy to see that Forrester so far is doing well with the team in his brief call-up. And, of course, you know, he'll eventually go back down. Who knows when, maybe sooner or later, you know, doesn't really know. But the Phantoms are set to make a deep playoff run in the American Hockey League. So maybe, perhaps, maybe next weekend when I'm up in Allentown at the Phantoms game, maybe he'll be there. It'd be nice to see him in person down low. Got seats right on the glass for 40 bucks. Love the American Hockey League for that. Um so, but no, I'm excited. You know, that's kind of the good thing. Like, there's we've been talking about Master. We we were talking about this, and people have been talking about this before before we were recording. The balance of tanking to trying to get the best odds in the draft lottery versus yeah. development. Like, yeah. what? Like, where is that happy balance? Um. So you know, even though they blew a lead Saturday and they lost in overtime, the kids still played well. And you need, we need to know there's some group of, okay, we can move forward with X, Y, and Z players. Like these ones are okay. We can keep with, they're the new core. Let's build around them. And that I'm talking about, you know, Joel Farabee, Noah Cates, Morgan Frost, Wade Allison, um, Owen Tippett, et cetera. Those ilk, you know, a Cam yeah. York. And even Igor Zamora's got called up. He's been playing well. Ronnie Adderd might be getting called up soon here, per all the beat writers beat beat writers reporting. So, um, ideally in a happy world, the kids play well and the team keeps on losing. But if the kids play well and they show a hey, you know, you can really depend on us next year, and where the Flyers can say, hey, you know, what, we can afford to move out some of these veteran deals to get some assets back. Cool. Yeah, I think that I think I mean, I would obviously in a perfect world want Connor Bedard on the Flyers, but I would also want, like you said, that balance of knowing that we have a good prospect pool, we have a lot of good young talent that has come up in the past couple of years or so, um, and I mean, I would hope that these guys aren't flashes in the pan, so to speak, where mm -hmm. they they come up in a type of situation where they kind of like, hey, like we really suck, but you get to play in the NHL, so to speak. Um, and I mean, again, they, 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 like, we know, obviously they're going to give a, they're, they're, they're going to give us their best shot. I was trying to think of how to say that. Sorry. Um, but they're going to give us their best shot and they're going to give it all they can to, cause they want to win a, like win a, a roster spot on this team. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, Forrester has been great. Co Noah Cates, uh, Samula's shown a lot. I mean, you have Sam Harrison, like, so, it's never a bad thing to have too much talent, so to speak, but the Flyers have, I think they have too much talent in the wrong place, if that makes sense. 
And it's not a knock against the guys, but you still need that high-end talent in the NHL that's going to be become a vet like a veteran like a veteran presence down the road or you get these again like you have these guys continue what they're doing now in the next season and maybe you move them like you said for assets so that you can potentially do a in our word the rebuild um so i think even though we're seeing good things from these guys it's tough to kind of maybe get attached so to speak Mm -hmm. because i feel like there's still a good amount to be done once the season is over as it gets closer to the draft to free agency i mean we're gonna see hopefully we'll see literally a different team next year so to speak um whether it's the front office whether it's on the ice whether it's both i mean we've already kind of gotten the the, the inkling that briere becoming the interim gm is just the beginning of major organi- organizational changes because as we touched on last time, when we talked about Fletcher getting fired and Briere getting hired. There still needs to be an, a, a GM, obviously, if, if Briere is, I guess it's his job to lose at this point, maybe. Um, but there's also going to be that second position of the president of Hockey Ops. So yeah, we're going to see a different front office next season regardless. And there could be more because, again, that, that old guard, so to speak, <laughs> literally and figuratively of like homegrown Bill Barber, like those, the old Flyers players, like I think it's time to move on from them as we've said. And hopefully this team has a lot better advisor, not maybe not even necessarily better, but just different where they have, you have different advisors, you have different scouts, you have different, different everything. You do as much different as you can, because again, we've seen this team trying to do the same thing over and over and expecting different results, which is what they say insanity is. And I was just I about mean, to say that this team has literally been driving its fans insane for the past, arguably the past decade, but especially the past three, four years now with the GM, the like the whole like the the same the same thing over and over. And um, I mean, it it literally came up in my Facebook memories today, Mastro. Two years ago, I made a post saying how like. The Flyers play was unacceptable, and this is this is this is a culture problem with Comcast. And like I went on a whole Flyers rant two years ago. Same yeah. things we're talking about now. Yeah, I was gonna say you can copy and paste that and put it to later today. So it's just again, I think we have a good problem, but we have a bigger problem that we need to fix, as opposed to like, hey, we have good prospects, but prospects again, as we know, don't always pan out. So, um, but moving on again, the Flyers play the Florida Panthers on... Yeah, I just wanted to make some follow-up points there on some of the points you made, Matt, before we move on to the Panthers game. Um, in regards <laughs> to Bear and the interim GM tag, from what I've been seeing from all of the beat reporters that I follow, and especially Charlie O'Connor, yeah. um, from his, his reporting, it sure sounds as though like the GM job um, is kind of for Briers to lose. But at the same time, he has to prove to Comcast that he can do the job. So he's trying to do all the thing, right things to earn the title. But it sounds like he would really have to screw something up to not be given the job. Um, and then it also sounds like that all of the old guard, in this case from an article from Marcus Hayes, who normally I'm not the biggest fan of, um, but he reported apparently that Dave Scott did not ask for or talk to any one of, um, you know, Paul Holmgren, Bobby Clark, Bill Barber, 
in regards to firing Chuck Fletcher. He went yep. off on his own and did that um, prior to before telling all of them, and they found out just like the rest of us. And it was alluded to that the trio of the senior advisors would have not okayed him firing Chuck Fletcher. So in this case, kudos to Dave Scott, because you did the right thing, finally. Took you a little bit longer. Um, And to another point of where all the people who have been clamoring about, you know, we need need to get back to the way Ed Signer did things, yada, yada, yada. You know, it's... People need to you know, kind of give up on that because it's never because you're never going to have a sports owner like Ed Snyder ever was. Like if Ed Snyder was still alive and, and like an active cognizant owner, um, at his very would 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 be now extremely elderly age. We would have Chuck Fletcher would have been fired two years ago. This like this nothing. The organization would be completely different. Yeah. So you can't really use that as an excuse anymore. But you know the things are. It looks like. You can't really analyze what Danny Breer has done so far just because they literally gave him the job after the trade line. So he really has to just prepare for the draft and the rest of the season. Uh-huh. And the guard looks like it's going to be changing. Yeah. All signs are pointing to those senior members being said uh, sayonara too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a necessary change at this point, And it's kind of only a matter of time where once once the season itself is over, like – at the what is it mid-April? As I drop my phone. Yeah, I think their last um, game is April thirteenth. Yeah, against actually, this is interesting. So their last two games are against the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks, which are probably arguably the favorites at this point to land Connor Bedard. Yeah, add an so, Arizona to that list. Montreal, maybe. But, yeah, so I mean, maybe not right afterwards, so to speak, but I think again from the end of the season towards the draft, depending on what happens with the draft lottery up to the draft itself. I mean, we're going to see, and we've said this ad nauseum, but I think it's, it's more than plausible. It's, it's likely at this point that we're going to see a lot of changes over the summer going into next season for the Flyers front office and hopefully for the roster as well. So there has to be, there, there really has to be. Yeah. So, with that, again, we, we go on to the Flyers-Panthers game, which took place last – no, not last night, sorry, Tuesday night uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. The Flyers pull out a 6-3 win against the – I guess I would say not struggling, but the Panthers are – I think they're currently in the second wild card in the East. Let me just check. They are They are holding on to their playoff lives in the second wild card. So, yeah, right now they're actually one point behind the Penguins. Um, and they're five points ahead of the Caps for the second wild card. So that second wild card spot in the East is going to come down to the wire, I feel, unless another, unless one team kind of craps the bed, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Florida, they're still a good team. They're obviously not a President's Trophy caliber team like they were obviously last season when they did Frauds. win the trophy. But, Frauds all along like I knew them to be. Yeah. So... But um, the story here, I didn't get to watch most of this last night or the other night, but uh, Travis Sanheim scored twice, which is, I mean, you love to see it from a defenseman uh, scoring scoring in a game or scoring twice. Uh, Joel Faraby got on the board. And then uh, Scott Lawton got on the board as well with a nice breakaway goal. And then Ivan Provorov got on the board as well. So, I mean, 
a good all around effort from the Flyers, and they they pull out a win against a good team. And and they also shell the crap out of former Flyer and filled in Lehigh Valley Phantom Alex Line in that. You know, uh, and what's uh, funny is typically you. I don't normally, know if it's called. I don't know if it's called shell. They only had twenty four shots on goal, and the Panthers had forty four. Yeah, but they scored six goals on those twenty some odd shots. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a bad save percentage. I mean, Alex Lyon, like, it, there's always that that bad thought in the back of your mind where, oh, it's a former Flyer. They're going to come in and they're going to take take us to the cleaners. Yeah, and the Flyers players, a lot of whom scored, played with Lyon with the Phantoms and for the Flyers when he briefly got called up, said, "We're not going to let this happen. We know you're really just not that good. We know you're yeah. not an NHL level goalie, and we're going to prove you as such." And I get, I Alex Lyon must be one of the nicest guys on planet Earth because for some reason, there's a huge sect of Flyers Twitter that loves him to death. I don't know why he was never anything special. Yeah. Was he good in the American hockey league? Sure. But was he great? No. Was he bad in the NHL? Yes. Why do you like him? You know, like he never, he never seemed to be a guy. I mean, granted, I don't follow the fans as closely as I used to, but like he never, his, his play never did anything to impress me. And you never heard anything about him off the ice being, you know, a fantastic human being that deserved fans paying closer attention to him. So I, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, I hope he does well. I hope he does well. No, screw him. He left the organization. He wasn't very, he wasn't good, and he still isn't good. And especially now that he's a Florida Panther, I hope he doesn't succeed because, like I said, Mastro, the Florida Panthers are frauds. And I will die on that hill because I, I have this in hit. I have this hatred for the Panthers for some reason. Like, I have no legitimate reason to not like the Florida Panthers. But I just do. So, we can move on, though. Hey, to each their own, my man. (laughs) But um, we also have a live Flyers game going on right now, if you didn't know. Uh, The Flyers are taking on the Minnesota Wild at the Wells Fargo Center as we are recording this tonight. Uh, the, according to the NHL app right now, there's about seven minutes left in the third period with a score tied at 3-3. Each team recorded a goal in the first, and each team also recorded two goals in the second. Scott Lawton, Joel Farabee, and Rasmus Ristolainen all have goals for the Flyers, while Oscar Sundquist, Matt Boldy, and Marcus Foligno have Minnesota's tallies. So if that game does end before we... Um, stop recording. We'll obviously give you the the update on that and our thoughts as we both are not watching the game right now. But you know we're we're professionals here, so we think and we'll give our our best analysis as as the game winds down here into the latter stages of regulation, maybe even over time. We'll see what happens. So stick with us for that. And Dave, um, I believe that covers it for the Flyers coverage tonight. Um, yeah. If we want to, Matt, we can just look ahead real quick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, they've got they end their upcoming homestand um, coming up soon. Here, they play the Detroit the, a Saturday afternoon matinee, good old one p.m. game um, against the Detroit Red Wings as they come into town, and then they end the homestand next Tuesday, the twenty eighth, uh, against the Montreal Canadiens. So there are a couple. 
bad teams coming to town. You know, Detroit is a team. Um, the Flyers have had Detroit's number over the past couple of years. You know, I think Detroit has a brighter, a quicker ceiling than the Flyers do. Um, but Montreal, they're another team that's in the Bedard sweepstakes. So we'll see how those two games play out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't really have too high of expectations at this point. Um, but, you know, I mean, like you said, we see how it plays out and we go from there. And I, I'm just hoping for Saturday. I will I will chime in for a good chunk of the Flyers game, but I am heading toward I'm heading to the Union game Saturday evening and we'll go. be doing some tailgating. So at some point I'll be putting hockey behind me to go to, to go watch some good old soccer. There you go. I've been watching the new season of Ted Lasso, so that's been my my Need to soccer, watch it. my soccer intake for the for the last couple of weeks now with the new season out, which has been very good so far. So, um, big football guys. <laughs> yes, yes, American and European, precisely. But um, with that being said, Dave, we will go away from the Flyers and go into our around the league segment for the back end of our podcast here this week, as we usually do. Um, some fun things tonight, uh, which is good. So, as, as I clear my throat again, <coughs> hey, it's allergy season. We're we're officially we're officially in spring. You know, yeah. the weather is doing this thing where it's like, oh, hey, I'm gonna be 60 one day, then 30 the next day, and 60 the other day, and then rainy and 50 the the fourth day. So, allergy season is in full swing. I have been taking Zyrtec quite often lately. Yeah, it's been uh, the the once a day for me before bed. So that's I've been taking it for a while too. But anyway, um, we're getting off track here talking about our allergies and over the counter medications. Hey, but, listen, no free ads or tech. Just, just saying. But um, back to hockey <laughs> instead of allergies. Um, <laughs> just last night, if you didn't know, it was it's big news. Uh, the man himself, Connor McDavid, scored his 60th goal of the year after having two breakaways in a matter of seconds in overtime um, as the Edmonton Oilers defeated the Arizona Coyotes at Rogers Place. Um, it's the, I think it's the first time he's gotten 60, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. Um, he is the fastest player to reach 60 goals since Marilyn Lemieux. Heard of him. Um, so, I mean... <coughs> If he didn't see it, like I said, it was in overtime. He had a breakaway. He did the same move twice, which is bold. Um, had a breakaway, tried to go back, backhand, forehand. Uh, the goaltender saved it. And then he like it was funny because he literally had time to get like to, to get pissed off and slam his stick, slam his stick on the boards, and then he was like. He literally circles around the zone and goes, oh, the puck is here again, and he gets another breakaway, does the same move, ends up beating the goalie, just complete roof job, and ends the game for his 60th goal. So um, it's 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 pretty crazy. And then according to NHL.com, if he can score 10 goals in his final 10 games, he'd be the first player to score at least 70 goals in the season since 1992-93 when Alexander Mogilny and Team Mussolini each had 76. In reaching 60 goals in 72 games, again, he's the fastest player to hit the mark since Mario Muse scored 60 goals in 70 games in 1987-88, with Austin Matthews most recently needing 73 games to hit 60. So, I mean, he's got 
with McDavid, nothing is impossible. The guy's unreal. Um, he's a, a world-class player. He will be for a long time. But, I, I mean, I can't see, unless he gets cold really fast, then it's 70 is not out of his reach. No, I mean, and he could easily hit 150 points this year. Yeah. He's got 60 goals and 78 assists for 138 points, and he still has 10 games to go. Yep. Literally, <clears throat> 12 points in 10 games is nothing for McDavid. He could easily do that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> and the Edmonton um, Oilers are wasting his career. <laughs> yeah. We had another milestone as well on Tuesday night. Um, Alex Ovechkin, again, heard of him. Uh, he passed Wayne Gretzky. For the most 40-goal seasons in NHL history, when with now 13 40-goal seasons, when he scored for the Caps against the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena on Tuesday, Ovechkin said, quote, Yeah, it's a pretty cool moment. It doesn't matter what kind of record it is. It's a record, you know? He said, I'm just trying to enjoy my time and trying to do my best. The 37-year-old left wing scored his 40th goal when his backdoor pass for Dylan Strome deflected in off the stick of Blue Jackets defenseman, defenseman Nick Blankenberg at 5:12 of the third of the first period. Sorry, um, and then also again, Ovechkin has scored at least 40 goals in all but three of his 16 full NHL seasons. He scored 32 goals in 48 games in 2012-13 when the season was shortened because of a lockout, and 24 goals in 45 games in 2020-2021 when the season was paused due to coronavirus. Um, and then this is also his sixth 40-goal season since he's turned 30 years old, passing Phil Esposito for the most in NHL history. Uh, on the other side of things, Wayne Gretzky scored at least 40 goals in his first 12 of 20 NHL seasons before retiring in 1999. He's also, again, currently, as I say, that it could be broken, the NHL's all-time leader in goals with 894, with Alex Ovechkin being just 74 away at 820. So, I mean, it's the closer and closer he gets. Obviously, we know this is going to be hockey history, but I, I mean, I, I can't imagine it's not along the li- the likes of like Barry Bonds when the when he broke the uh, mm-hmm. the MLB home run record. It's going to be it's going to be up there with that. I think where every game is going to be must watch TV if you're any sort of sports fan or even I mean, again, just. It's a it's a piece of history, so to speak. So yeah, it, closer... it'll be. I think it'll be worldwide news. Oh yeah, yep. Um, so it's gonna be again. I think it's it's gonna be must watch TV. I know I'm gonna do my best to be like, hey, like I gotta watch the Capitals, like um, yeah. And but yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously again another record that he has and in, in his illustrious career already. And he's just again, he's still got that. Um, Actually, here we go, too. So according also to the article, if he's able to score 10 more 10 more goals in Washington's final 10 games, he'll pass Gretzky and Mike Bossy for the most 50-goal seasons with 10. So he's just continually chasing down records here, which is, I mean, it's incredible. The Russian machine never breaks, right? Yep. Um, and then, let's see. Oh, oh the Flyers scored. Oh, hey Tyson Forster. Uh, goal number two. From uh, D'Angelo and Morgan Frost. It's 4-4. Oh, I guess that I, I might have, must have not seen the yeah, wild so score. Matt Boldy scored to make it a 4-3 game. 
and then Forrester scored to make it a four-four. So we've got a little bit, a little bit of a barn burner going on at the Wells Fargo yeah. Center this evening. Cool. Um, back to around the league as we update you on our live stream here that we're doing via our phones. Um, we have, let's see, actually we had a retirement that I almost overlooked here. So um, NHL Network uh, announced today, which was Tuesday, or no, sorry, yesterday, on Wednesday. Um, if you didn't know, Brian Boyle announced his retirement from the NHL after a 14-year career. I already um, thought he had retired, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's already found his <coughs> – actually, so this says – he retired at the end of the 2021-22 season. So, yeah, I guess he officially retired last season. Um, but he had, let's see, 871 career games played combined with 141 goals and 111 assists for 252 points, including 10 game-winning goals. He skated in 124 Stanley Cup final playoff games, including back-to-back trips to the Stanley Cup final in 2014 and 2015. In 2017-18, he was awarded the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy as the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey following his diagnosis with chronic myeloid leukemia during training camp and going on to lead the Devils to their first Stanley Cup playoffs berth since 2012. Um, But the good news is he doesn't have to wait long at all for a second career as he joined the NHL network on air lineup as a studio line as a studio analyst. Um, I believe, uh, Oh, he, he will make his debut tonight. Well, he made his debut tonight at eight 30, just like 20 minutes ago. Um, with Jamison Coyle and former New York Rangers teammate, Mike Rupp. And again, on Friday night tomorrow with Bill Pitt, Pito, Pedo, Petita, not Pito. That doesn't sound right. Um, no, but, no, that's uh, somewhere um, else. Yeah, so I mean, it's he's also just said again, quote: "I'm excited to be a part of the NHL network and be involved with hockey in the NHL. Nobody wants to stop playing, but talking about the game I love is something that is really exciting for me. So, um, a good career for Brian Boyle. Seems like a good dude. Um, definitely happy that he was able to overcome." Uh, his leukemia and be able to still play and still thrive as a, as a person more than anything. But um, just again, it's, it's good to see these guys end one career and just jump right into another. So yeah. it's very, it's a very good thing to see for now former player. Yeah. All around one of the good guys in the game um, had a hell of a career. Wish it could have been longer. Um, but I remember him in his prime um, around that 2010 to you know, 2013 era with the Rangers where he was just, you know, he could score 20 goals and he was, he could also beat you to death. Like literally yep. with checks and fighting. Like he was just a hell of a player. And um glad that he was able to get his leukemia under control and return to being a pro athlete. And, you know, he, he had a good season last year for the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, being an aging center in 66 games, he had 21 points. You know, for a fourth liner, that's not too shabby. So, no, good for him. Um, I remember, didn't he, in the in the HBO 24-7 Winter Classic with the Flyers and Rangers, didn't he mention he's, like, one of, like, six or seven siblings? Yeah, I think so. Like, he's got, he, like, he was, like, towards the upper end, and he's, had, like, at the time, he had, like, 
siblings that were like kids and he was a full blown yeah. adult. <laughs> yeah. So crazy, but one of the good guys and wish him nothing but the best of luck in his uh, new career here in regards to hockey media. Definitely. Um, and then moving on here, we actually are going to take a quick sharp turn or I guess a roundabout to college hockey. Um, obviously the NCAA March madness for men and women is going on right now with, I believe the sweet 16 going on um, as we record for both. Um, I know Princeton is in the Sweet 16 for the men's, and obviously it's a big story around the Philadelphia region that Villanova, the women's team, is in the Sweet 16. I believe their game is tomorrow afternoon, so that'll be exciting to see if they can continue to move on. But no, not a basketball guy. As as gotcha. listeners of the as listeners of this podcast know, you gotta not be a multi, basketball You gotta guy. be a multi-sport athlete these days, Dave. So, I like every other sport except basketball. <laughs> Got to em- embrace the madness, as they say, or at least as I say. So, But anyway, the March Madness of hockey um, has started tonight. Um, if you didn't know, the 16-team Division One Men's NCAA Hockey Championship opens again tonight with regional games taking place in Manchester, New Hampshire, and Fargo, North Dakota, as well uh, as, well as regionals in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and Allentown, PA. Shout out to the Phantoms. Uh, starting tomorrow, uh, the top four seeds include the University of Minnesota being number one, followed by, is it Quinnipiac? Yeah, Quinnipiac. All right, Quinnipiac University. I think I always said Quinnipiac, and then I got like someone no, was I, like. That sounds right, but also to interject real quick, Matt, go ahead. the Flyers and Wild are going to overtime tied at four all. Gotcha. Um and then the University of Michigan and then Denver University. Again, those four teams rounding out the top four with Denver being, <coughs> excuse me, the defending national champion. The winners of the games on Thursday play Saturday, while the winners of Friday's games will play Sunday with the four regional championships advancing to the Frozen Four in Tampa Bay from April 6th through 8th. So um, a good, obviously, I mean, again, if you're, if you're a hockey fan, especially a college hockey fan, or you just want to see some good young talent on the ice, uh, the Frozen Four is definitely the way to go. It's always exciting to see, um, especially the latter stages, the, the semifinal, the, the quarterfinal, you know, whatever. I mean, it's always an entertaining uh, tournament to watch, and it's always fun to see these these young teams just do their thing, and whoever wins the Frozen Four, it's always it's always pretty exciting. So Yeah, in, in regards to Flyers news now, now I don't believe Boston College made the cut. So literally, if you're a Flyers fan, Cutter Gauthier watch is officially on. Yeah. Will he turn pro inside? Who knows? Um, but for Penn State fans of the podcast, Penn State made the tournament and they play tomorrow evening in Allentown. I forget who they're playing, um, but I know their game will be on ESPNU at 5 p.m. I believe. So I do have a picture of the bracket on my phone. Let me check. Oh, it's just a logo. Um, Hold on, I can find it. It's a Husky. Northeastern? No. Um, I'm going to try to guess. We have dead air, sorry. That's fine. Um, uh, can they, no. No, not Harvard. Once you find it, let me know. I have it up. They're from uh, the great state of Michigan. Michigan. But it's not the two colleges you would think of in Michigan. 
Um, is it Canisius? No, it's Michigan Tech. Oh, Michigan Tech. Okay. I thought it was going to be a name without Michigan in it. <laughs> no, Michigan Tech. And then um, if they win that game, they'll have the regional final Sunday in Allentown, which is still TBA. It's 6.30 on Sunday. All right. There's no yeah. times on the Penn State's official sporting website for the hockey team. Oh. So. I got my I got my sources that tell me that when the games are, a.k.a. I think uh, it was John Bucci-Gross on Twitter tweeted out the whole bracket and the schedule of everything. So I, I saved it to know what I was talking about. There we go. But anyway, um, so yeah. let's go Penn State. We are. They probably won't. They, I mean, they're not. They're not even. Uh, I don't think they were even ranked going in the tournament. I know Michigan Tech was 13th. Um, but more importantly, fires related news. Like I said, Cutter Gautier watch is officially. Did I say Cutter or Coter? I don't know. Cutter. Cut Cutter Gautier watch is officially begun. He could potentially sign any day now. Danny Briere, if you're listening, Danny B, come on, my man, get her done. As Joe Dirt once said, life's a garden. <laughs> Dig it. So, yeah, so that's exciting. And then moving on to our next thing, which I think is the biggest topic of news uh, that came out this week back on Monday. No, Monday or Tuesday, uh, the 21st, two days ago. Uh, that was Tuesday. Tuesday, yes. And it broke at like 6.45 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Which the, so, the league totally did on purpose. This this says 6.15 a.m. on March 21st. So oh, Even um, earlier. Yeah. But if you didn't know, um, because you weren't up that earlier, if you haven't seen it since then, the NHL announced officially that Fanatics will become the NHL's official on-ice uniform outfitter starting next year in the 2024-25 season um, until 10 years down the road. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a big a big change, obviously, and according to the release on NHL.com, this will be the first time the Fanatics logo will appear on game uniforms in professional sports, but the company has made Major League Baseball game uniforms with the Nike logo since 2017, mm -hmm. and it has made the NHL authentic pro line of official performance and training apparel and headwear worn by players, coaches, and staff since 2018. Fanatics' partnership with the NHL has evolved over the past two decades to include NHL e-commerce and retail operations, fan apparel and headwear, replica jerseys, licensed memorabilia, performance and training products, on-ice Stanley Cup champions apparel and headwear, and now official on-ice uniforms for players and authentic jerseys for fans. Uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said, quote, this expansion of our partnership with Fanatics is a reflection of our shared commitment to innovation, performance, and serving our players and fans. Our players and fans should look forward to what Fanatics will bring to the best uniforms in all of sports. Uh, Fanatics CEO Michael Rubin also called this, quote, a seminal moment in the company's history and, quote, a testament to the hands-on collaborative relationship it has built with the NHL over the years. Uh, Ruben said, quote, too, I can't wait to see our brand on official on-ice uniforms for the first time. Um, again, if you didn't know, Adidas has been the NHL's official on-ice uniform outfitter since 2017-2018 and will finish strong next season, said Brian Jennings, who is the NHL Senior Executive Vice President of Marketing and Chief Branding Officers. 
Um, he has currently seen the jerseys for the 2023 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic between the Flames and Oilers on October 29th and the 2024 Discover NHL Winter Classic between the Vegas Golden Knights and Seattle Kraken at T-Mobile Park in Seattle on January 1st. Uh, and he has also been involved in the development of the jerseys for the 2024 NHL All-Star Game at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto on February 3rd. Uh, Jennings also said, quote, we're going to be doing some incredible stuff next year to delight and excite our fans. What we anticipate is a professional and seamless transition. We'll have a pivot point and move on over to Fanatics for the 24-25 season with that same thrust for our event designs and team designs being at the forefront. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also kind of interesting, too. So if this also says each NHL game jersey is made in a factory in St. Hyacinth, Quebec, near Montreal. Fans will continue to use this, or Fanatic, sorry, will mm -hmm. continue to use the same factory, the same specs for players, and even some of the same fabrics, at least at first, uh, with the company also assembling a team of people with decades of experience working on NHL on-ice and performance products. Um, so it seems like they've been doing their due diligence. Um, yeah, they, they, they just bought out. Adidas completely getting out of the hockey, uh, out of the hockey, like, realm. They're removing themselves from the sport of ice hockey. Um, yeah. So Fanatics just literally just bought that plant from yeah. Adidas. So. Um, there's also an interesting quote saying uh, from, who's this from? Someone named Mac. I don't want to see his name anywhere else. Um, but, so this quote's from someone at Fanatics. I don't know where to find his name. Um with what's going to look like for on-ice uniforms, uh, quote, I believe what you'll see over time is an evolution in the chassis, chassis of the jersey, an evolution in design elements, and that's going to be player-driven. As you see the exciting stars of the game, we're going to want to know what they feel will help them feel great about their performance, which will translate into the product, and then the fans will also be getting something that's really player and equipment manager informed. So... Um, I mean, this is a big deal. Obviously, we've seen the NHL switch from they've gone from what Nike, CCM, Reebok, Adidas, and now Fanatics. Um, Fanatics, I don't know. It's it, they kind of have. I mean, they they don't have a huge bad rep, but they have a bad rep in the fact that I they've they've monopolized the market for sports apparel in general. Where if you want to go. Like, if you go on Fanatics, you can literally go to any sports league or any team and get Fanatics-branded yeah. merchandise they, on their website. Every um, major pro sports league in North America, they yeah. run the online stores it's, for. Yeah, it's all, it's all powered by Fanatics, as they say. Um, and it's some of their stuff, honestly, just looks cheap. Um, where, like, you see, again, you see other companies where it's like, like, for example, like I know Nike makes a lot of stuff for the MLB. So you can get like a night like a Nike dry fit shirt for the Phillies or for whatever MLB team you want. But it's like the fanatic stuff again for for every sport really just kind of looks like it just looks cheap. It looks too simple. Like and they have I mean, again, it's it's a good idea, too. But they have like the uh, especially for the NHL. I don't know if they do it for other leagues, but they have like the the cheaper jerseys of the ver the the jerseys where 
you have like instead of the stitch like the stitching with like the the rigid numbers and the crest and the fight strap and all that you almost get you get like the the walmart version of it from fanatics where you get like um the tj max version yeah you get like Foreman mills perhaps every everything is like screen printed um where you're just wearing like one big polyester jersey um and you can you can just fold it up like you would a t-shirt which is good i mean if you don't want to and i mean nhl jerseys are expensive i like to when if, if, I, if i have the money i like to get the real thing so to speak um but no, I mean this. This is going to be interesting to see kind of how this goes, so to speak. Um, I don't really think. Hopefully, it won't be too noticeable the the change and stuff like that. And I mean, Adidas kind of had its its problems too as well, where they're like a lot of the jerseys that they created seemed almost too simple. Where I mean, a perfect example would be like the Flyers and the Penguins Stadium Series jerseys, where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, what if we make the logo really big and we just make it two colors? And it's like, oh, great, like. Then we'll save Brilliant. money on like we'll save money on printer ink like so. I think the the NHL has a problem sometimes where they they have these true and tried and true designs from like throwbacks for teams, and they just completely stray away from that. And they're like, what if we made it reverse retro, but reverse retro again, like. Yeah. Are we going to see Reverse Retro 3.0 at some point? No. Like, so actually, Reverse Retro was a complete Adidas idea, and gotcha. it is dying with Adidas in the, in the yeah. NHL. But apparently, Fanatics is going to have their own plans for different jerseys. Yeah. So actually, the Flyers are going to a shootout. Um, yes. So that's that's going to be fun. Um, but I, I mean, again, it's it's kind of again, it remains to be seen what happens with this. But it's also again. Why the hell did the NHL make this announcement at 6.15 in the morning? Um, I think they knew they weren't going to get a very good reaction from fans. Oh, they got dragged all yeah. day long so, online. I don't know why you just kind of make it during like business hours, so to speak, as opposed to 6.15 in the morning when no one's really awake. Maybe try and cover it. And they thought, oh, if we drop it now. People won't notice it, but no, it got noticed. I think the yeah. big concern, Matt, is, is, is it's not the on-ice product. It, I think if you continue to buy an authentic level, like pro-level jersey that you'd yeah. buy, that's not going to change. Because like you mentioned earlier, literally Nike commissioned Fanatics to make the – or yeah, Nike commi- commissioned Fanatics to make the authentic MLB jerseys. And literally just stitch a Nike logo yeah, onto the jerseys. Like, Nike's not making those jerseys. Fanatics has been doing. And those jerseys look good. So yeah. you know they can make a quality, authentic-level product. And so the fact that they bought out the factory in Quebec by Adidas that's making the authentic jerseys for the league, I don't think that's going to be an issue there. The problem is, is going to be the fan-level replica items. It's, it's bad enough, like... I own multiple Fanatics hoodies, uh, Fanatics brand hoodies, and T-Search and jerseys. Those products, you have to wash on delicate mode and air dry if you even want to ensure that they stay quality. Because if you would just wash and dry in a regular cycle, you're having those screen printing is falling off, it's fading, like it's super, super poor quality. And their customer support and service isn't the best. Yeah. So I think a lot of fans 
are seeing this negative reaction and they're seeing what's already happened in regards to the replica side of things and they've seen the poor quality of the stuff that the fans have access to that's not it's not as hard on the wallet and so they're 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 going the worst of saying great now the pro level quality products are the same thing i think we need to give fanatics a chance here on properly you know making the pro level jersey well but they also you take that and that attitude of how they handle their pro jerseys to their other quality of products because their other products right now that they have available that the fans can buy are not very good and you can tell they're cheaply made so, so they've got they some, got work, some to work, do. work to do and they and they, and they, they, they especially with their public opinion so we'll see what happens all i know is this is if fanatics makes the flyers go back to a black based color scheme jersey They'll have some of my support much easier. <laughs> we have some good news to report as well. The Flyers have won in a shootout against the Minnesota Wild. Oh. Carter, Hart, Carter Hart stopped every Minnesota shooter in the shootout to give the Flyers a 5-4 win in South Philadelphia tonight. So we have some breaking good news that the Flyers have won. And Is it good? It's good that they won. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now they need to start losing again. Okay, yeah. you got a couple wins under your belt. It's good for the young kids. Start losing again, please. Like, yep. you're hurting your draft lottery odds here. Come on now. Yeah. Um, but as we as we wrap up the live section of our, of our podcast for the night, we just have a couple more fun topics to end around the league with tonight and uh, to end the night here on 5-Minute Major. Uh, if you didn't know, today is National Puppy Day. Um and the Anaheim Ducks uh, adopted their own uh, good girl, not good boy, good girl, um, a golden retriever named Daisy uh, in honor of National Puppy Day. Um, she was, let's see. She was a, yeah, she's a golden retriever puppy rescued from the Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue. Um, and, quote, it is a positively perfect way to spend the holiday so uh-huh. if you want to see the good girl daisy uh the ducks own daisy uh just go on nhl.com or oh. go on their twitter and she is very cute more breaking news this coming per twitter from friend of the pod pod street hoags that apparently tonight was career win number 700 for torts Hey. So, congratulations to Flyers head coach John Tortorella. There we go. 700 wins. That's pretty impressive. You love to see it. Um, and then going on from Daisy, we have, uh, if you didn't know, March is National Women's Month. Um, and we have a few articles here um, about women in the workplace uh, in the NHL um, and how the NHL is honoring women in in general. Um and we have actually, so we have a Flyers weighted one, kind of, which is good. Um, so, according to this article, Grace Swider, I believe, and Quinn Medico uh, are like many young women who want to work in professional sports but aren't quite sure how to find their way in. Uh, in come the Philadelphia Flyers, who started the Next Shift program with people like them in mind. According to the article, Next Shift is a mentorship program that paired 24 women between the ages of 14 and 22 with a woman Flyers employee. 
The young women shadowed various Flyers leaders and executives to receive a behind-the-scenes look at the different roles they play before, during, and after the game against the Florida Panthers back on Tuesday. Uh, they crossed the spectrum of departments from game presentation and ticketing to public relations and community relations. Uh, the 22-year-old sports management student, Swider, said, quote, if you had asked me a month ago how many women work for the Flyers, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you. But now knowing how many truly do, it gives me so much like to it goes me so much like joy. Huh. It gives me so much like joy to know that like I do have a place in the sports world. Oh, I guess she was nervous and said like a lot. That's <laughs> that's that's understandable. I'd be nervous too if I was working with the Flyers. Um and then um spectator sports and entertainment president and ceo valerie camillo said quote i know for myself when i was at that age i very much wanted to work in sports and entertainment and was constantly looking for opportunities to learn more about the industry to meet women working in the industry to learn from them and quite frankly there was just no opportunities that i was ever able to find so when we sat down to think organizationally about what we wanted to do to celebrate women his women's history month we're kicking around a lot of ideas about these moments in history that we want to highlight or these great players or contributors to the game to the organization we wanted to start to think about not just looking back but creating something that goes forward and that's how this mentoring program was be was born um both students spent the evening with Camillo um, and then had dinner together. They watched the game from her suite and also watched the con walk the concourse as well. Um, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, this this just goes on to kind of say what else they did throughout their their few days with the team, uh, how they got the kind of the the full the full package, so to speak. Um, with the flyers and kind of with the behind the scenes of the team and the happenings and all that surrounding the team. Um, and the, the program itself actually received more than 170 applicants, uh, which is great. I mean, if you, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what your gender is. If you're qualified for a, a job, then you, you should be qualified for a job no matter what. Um, Damn straight. There should be equality in the workplace, no matter what workplace that is. So it's good to see, uh, these these two young women get the the gold star treatment from the Flyers, and hopefully they uh, they use this to to boost uh, themselves into a career in sports and entertainment. Uh, and then just quickly here another one from the Bruins uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, local hockey high school girls, uh, local yeah, like, let me start over. Local high school girls hockey players, there we go, uh, greeted the Bruins as they arrived at TD Garden for their game against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, the 2023 MIAA Sportsman Award winners were invited as part of Boston's Women in Sports Night. Uh, sporting their high school jerseys, the girls posed with the Bruins for pictures before pairing off for walk-ins. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just it's cool to see, again, just – supporting women empowering women moving women forward continuously and just continuously building them up and having that equality that they deserve and i mean just as i always say you love to see it um yep so it's good that teams the nhl and everyone should be doing this to celebrate women's history month yep and there's there's still plenty of glass ceilings that need to be broken so Definitely. there's still a lot more room to go but this is small steps in the right direction and you love to see it Yes, sir. Um, but again, the Flyers, they win tonight, 5-4, in a shootout against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Dave, I think with that, I will throw it to you, as I usually do, to take us home. Yes, yeah, so 
Thanks again to everyone, to all of our listeners and supporters of the podcast. This is my time where I take every week where I tell you, if you listen to our podcast, you should also be listening to our affiliates in the Pod Street Bullies. If you like us, you will also like them. It's a pretty simple logic there, Matt, I think. Um, but with that, you know, we will be back next week. We will be talking about the, the course of the Flyers' upcoming games as we inch closer and closer to the end of this season. Congratulations to the Flyers also for passing last year's regular season wins. Now two more. They only had 25 last year. They're now at 27. So way to go, boys. And congrats to John Tortorella again on career win number 700. Um, with that, check out the Pottery Bullies. Keep on supporting our podcast. We appreciate it very, very much. We will be back next week. Good night and good hockey.